Listen up, Gotham. This is Batman. Tune into the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. And if you don't, I'll be coming for you. Hey, everybody, it's the Dark Knight of Rap, Sammy Warmhands, and this is the season two finale of the Bat Fanatic podcast. So from all three of us, whether you are new to the show or if you've been listening since day one, we do appreciate it and we have a hell of a time making this for you guys. I will be joined by my co-hosts, Ben and Evan, but first I've got to shout out our longtime friends and sponsors right here in Eugene, Oregon, Radar Toys. You can go to RadarToys.com, get free shipping in the U.S. and save an additional 10% with our code BATFANPOD. If you want to support our show, click the link in our Instagram bio at BatFanAddict or visit Patreon.com slash BatFanAddict. We're going to end this season with Alex Ross and Paul Dini. This is Batman War on Crime. Batman War on Crime. Back in 1999. Art by Alex Ross is how it's credited. Written by Paul Dini. First of all, Alex Ross pulled a Jack Nicholson here. I don't know if you noticed that, but he is the number one name on here that is always reserved for the writer. And in this case, being one of the most revered Batman writers, period, hot off of Batman the Animated Series. For one second, I thought you were going to say something like, um, I hope I get this right. Alex Ross. (laughs) (laughs) Alex. It's also worth mentioning that there's no letterer credited, so Alex Ross must have done that himself. I think so. So he really handled. You're describing the the cover of this as a standalone, because the cover of the World's Strongest does say Alex Ross, and uh, the one I have says Alex Ross and Paul Dini. Yeah, and this does too. Uh Alex Ross, Paul Dini. The writer always gets top billing, and in this case, the artist gets top billing. It's like fuck you, man. I make fine art. Well, and Alex Ross saying the draw is going to be the art. I don't care who wrote it, even if it's that amazing. <laughs> it's going to be like, look at these paintings. Alex Ross and Scott Snyder. Alex <laughs> Ross and Alan Moore. Yeah. Alex um, Ross and Frank Miller not really trying. <laughs> I'd buy that. I'd probably love Alex it. Alex Ross and Frank Miller actually trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Still, Alex Ross at the time. Yeah. Initial thoughts to this. Had either of you guys read this one before? I read it a long time ago. Long time ago. I hadn't, and the only thing I've ever read of Ross's was kingdom come and that was a while ago and i was Mm, like legitimately happy to be looking at some of his art again me too and i actually had kingdom come on the broader list of things i wanted to go into for season two and then once i skimmed it again i was like batman's barely even in this like Mm -hmm. maybe we'll get to that another time and so i recently picked this up because i didn't even realize that Deanie and ross had collaborated after looking and looking, as you guys discovered, it's kind of hard to find just Batman War on Crime. Mm -hmm. But I did find this Justice League collection that has a whole series that they did, and they're all really cool one-shots with each character stripping away all the razzle-dazzle and really just getting to the humanity of these characters. And I was really moved by it, and I thought... You know, we ended on Noel. I guess when we started mm-hmm. uh, around Christmas time, did Noel, and I thought, well, this would be a really great Christmas time episode. I think, you know, just getting really to the heart of the character. Is it written 
the same the whole time where it's just like narrative. Yeah, uh, I think the, yeah. Other, the other ones are like that too. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was really neat in that it's not covered in speech bubbles and whatever. And mm-hmm. I think it's probably part of the reason that he lettered it himself is because it's like an accompaniment. It's not like a feature of the page necessarily, you know? Yeah, and even the letters themselves, not only is it not characters speaking, but the letters don't even exist. A lot of times narrative will be like in a box versus mm-hmm. a speech bubble, but even the narrative it's just on the is page. just, yeah, letters in front of the art, not with a box that blocks the art out. Well, and Kingdom Come had both. Kingdom Come had this kind of stuff where it was just text over the image, and then it also had bubbles and yeah. the regular mm-hmm. stuff too. Yep. This is after Kingdom Come? Yeah, because Kingdom Come, I think, was 95, 96, something okay. like that. So they did this series kind of right at turn of the century. From mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. I also thought ending on a short and sweet one would be nice too because we've got a million things on our plate you don't have like to the end of the year deep cut batman teen titans crossover thing we could have watched yeah actually that's worth pointing out so last season we would always do a movie first and then this season intentionally started with comics first and then we're actually ending without a movie so there are so many books that i want to cover that I've long considered doing a double comic, you know, two in a row thing. So when are we gonna do Doom? Hopefully, people don't mind that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do uh, Batman, Tokyo Ghost, and Dune. <laughs> Hell yeah! Um, so the book opens with a year one montage that has a very old time classic comics feel. Batman narrates saying that. He became a master of science and criminology, and he trained his body to physical perfection. This little section ends with the vow he makes to avenge his parents. And when I say old time, I'm thinking about the number of panels on this page, the way that they feel the need to condense and remind you of this character's origin story. It just reminds me of that 40s sort of like, Bruce Wayne, a millionaire playboy, and about, but you know. They, they are literally shots used from very, very old Batman ones. I mean, the bat flying through yeah. the window, him in his... Uh, and that's why I said year one. Yeah, the si- well, even like, I mean, the scientist outfit with the, the safety oh, yeah. goggles holding up a beaker. Yep. Him on the... Uh, that's what you like. like when, <laughs> when we talk about the detective part of the trifecta, you're yeah. like, can't we just get a scientist mon- yeah. montage? Say it explicitly. Tell me he's a science guy who does science stuff with yeah. beakers. and But then also showing his physical ability being like on an Olympic gymnast yep. gymnasium like on the rings or a pull-up bar or something mm-hmm. and then the spotlight with the parents yep you know that classic cover covered face with the parents murderer shooting at you yep yeah it's cool it's like he's revisiting other stuff that you've seen in other places but him doing his version and, and i it- like the way it's framed too with it's over laid on a backdrop of Gotham City. You know, you have Batman perched up there on the gargoyle on the rooftop. So it's like you're getting Batman of age and you're getting Batman through the years below it. It's just and each one of these pages. Each one of these panels only took one month to draw. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> the uh And this, if we'll consider these like actual panels, because so many of the other page, almost everything is like a two-page spread. A lot of them just have kind of non-existent borders where the colors just blend into like the image below it or to the left or to the right of it or something, which is like, it's incredible. It's sort of like a soft burn fade. Mm -hmm. So that first page, I think, has like the most, if we'll call those borders, because even... 
or yeah, panels. I mean they have they're yeah. paneled out. There's yeah, because like even yeah, because even those don't really have any borders, which is so cool because it it makes everything look so not seamless, but like it all goes together. Yeah, it meshes. It's interesting, seamless though, is the word I would use because yeah. you point out that there are no borders <laughs> on those that's what I that's what I panels, <laughs> but the stark contrast with the light behind it in the backdrop. Mm-hmm. There is kind of distinct white lines, and so yep. at first glance, you might not even really think of it like that—that that there are not harsh dividers. But yeah, in general, just a softer page layout. And it's so cool that it just introduces the whole thing is blue tones with yeah Bruce kneeling beside a bed, like praying with a candle on the sheets, and that which is not safe. Uh, yeah, don't do that, kitties, because all of you are listening to this show. Um, By candlelight, yeah, in their bed. yeah, like Scrooge, Next to your covered it. wagons, yeah. <laughs> um, but that casts some like warm yellow tones uh, on what is otherwise like a totally blue cold. page, yeah. yeah. And the other thing that I was just thinking while looking at it is cool that there's like some pages that use actual shades of black, but the cool thing about the watercolor is that like nothing is ever solid because it's not inked. Mm. So like even the blacks are never solid black. And so he has this like awesome blue silhouette because Batman is, is like backlit by the moon in this. Yeah. But there's even, there's even like a gradient to the solid stuff, which is like so cool. That's almost like if you take the Bruce Tim animated series where it is blacks, whether it's Dick Grayson's hair or... Batman's cowl, the light on the black is accentuated with these deep blues. Mm -hmm. And it's almost taking that and flipping it like, okay, well, let's pull out the blacks and we're just going to live in this kind of deep navy moonlight tone. You know, it's really neat. Feels very cold. Why are you grinning? What did I say? Because <laughs> you guys are always like, nothing. <laughs> speak your mind. Okay, you don't know yeah, you can, about you, art. No, you can, you can edit it out. You guys are always like, Evan said something that's not even remotely racist, and you are like, we're just going to pull out all the blacks. Okay, that's, you need to go for the throat, and yeah, when you see yeah. those opportunities, yeah. call him a racist. I'm not. Don't call me a racist. <laughs> but call him as you see him. He's even, a racist. I don't, even, I don't even like talking like that. Jesus Christ. One star. That yeah, that uh, that cemetery scene where he's like silhouetted amongst the other angelic tombstones. Yeah, with uh, sunsetty purple orange tones. It's incredible. So yeah, a- after the title card, we have another montage that is here in the cemetery, and it's a larger scale than those tiny little panels through time. But what this is doing it's kind of showing that Batman is really tied to that place. And in a way they word it sort of like to his parents' ghosts. And he likens himself to a ghost in the coming pages, sort of as an urban legend, you know, he's sort of an apparition. He's been seen, but not really. And, you know, he's sort of living up this rumor, this sanum, this kind of supernatural quality, you know, he stops a robbery here, swooping down. Uh, he stops a mugging, you know, and like you were talking about, kind of multiple images mixed together without hard panel lines. Mm-hmm. He observes, he says, all the city's kind of sinister dealings 
from the shadows. The story is so awesome because it does a really good job of it's easy to get caught up in Batman only exists because these supervillains and that's how he spends all of his time is just dealing with those guys when really Batman is like super cop. Going and, after muggers. Yeah, and, and he burglars. would he would deal with the Arkham escapees if they were out and he would prioritize the rogues gallery, but he's also just, yeah, super cop in it. Seven days with, a week, every single night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so cool. It just, it's like um, Batman's equivalent of walking the beat, only he does it mm-hmm. swinging from building to building and it's not down to earth, but it feels like a, like a home tale. Like this is, well, like, this we, is reality. We talk about the realism like of, uh, of no, I mean, yeah. the, uh, the, <laughs> the Nolan verse and stuff like that where like, his way of making Batman more real was stripping away the comic booky stuff, yeah, and trying to be more like, well, what if it was? What if this was in real in the real world? And how would we do it? What kind of military technology does he have to have in his body? And yeah, okay, he's not the badass ninja. Where I really like Ross's take. Can I call him Ross, or should I say Alex? Alex Ross's <laughs> <Mr>. take, Mister <laughs> Ross. I don't know, taller Adam. Because his Senor st- Ross. His, his style is so realistic. But it leans into the comic book. Yeah, because look at mm-hmm. look at Batman in this convenience store. That guy in that convenience store, you'd be like, this fucking psycho, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> barged into the store dressed like that. But it looks, it's believable, mm-hmm. without being like, he looks kind of crazy. But he would. This it, guy would. What it does to me is it, kind of harkens back to another era, mm-hmm. because he's got sort of the Norman Rockwell style visually right but if you look at the suit that they use it's a very fabric you know basic textures kind of there's no muscles in it it doesn't have defined musculature yeah and you know when you see him in the stark light of the convenience store you're like that's just a dude in the costume (laughs) you know well it reminds me of um super is what comes to mind with rain wilson but there's other things like that where uh where they're superhero stories and the guys look like goofballs, but yeah. then they like, or maybe kick ass, but then like they break people's shins, like they fight criminals and it's hyper violent. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're leaning into the goofy comic book stuff, but also what that would be like if that person was actually out there making a dent in crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That nutball. A little would, bit invincible, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the art style just automatically brings multiple things with it. It's easy to look at like, the animated series or yeah, particularly something cartoony and be like, I know why they didn't include abs. Yeah. It just doesn't like lend itself to this style or something. And you have to animate it every fucking yeah, and you'd have, Yeah. And you'd, have, and you'd have to animate all this stuff. It's Jim Lee and, and the boot treads all over again. Yeah. And with Ross's stuff between the, like the smoothness and the watercolor, uh, it's so funny. It's just like, it comes with the watercolor or the paper for some reason, but it brings this, like sense of texture that other things do not have. And yeah. so his suit looks like it could be cotton. Yeah. And, and so it looks real. Yeah. Like and a so texture then you can almost touch. Yeah. On like page. I could, I could feel this. And along that same lines, then like we haven't seen, uh, this, this one is in stature is a much bigger man, but we haven't seen a Batman that looks this soft since Adam West. Yeah. And so then trying to like, but this is, not that silly so it makes me it makes me think of those things but then like yeah that would be silly convenience store robbery or something but also like 
really surreal and super freaky yeah. if I saw that in person. And someone whose goal is to be like as strong as possible and tough as possible isn't like, I got to fucking cut down on my carbs so all my striations in my muscles show. Like, that's not his goal. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's, when Al- he's not doing it for the camera. No, mm-hmm. yeah, he wants to be as big and strong as possible. And when Alex Ross draws him like shirtless exercising, mm-hmm. he is muscular, mm-hmm. but again, he's not. He, he's thick. Yeah, yes. He's not like I regret a, saying that immediately. <laughs> and I'm going to be, I regret if you cut that out. I would okay. like you to leave it in, please. <laughs> but it's just believable. Like, that's what a big tough guy would look like, a big meaty guy, a meathead. Yeah. I could tell the hesitation. You wanted to say meathead, and then you recanted no, he's for a not second. A meathead. He was wearing that science outfit earlier. This guy's no meathead. <laughs> I'm really- Meathead in a lab coat. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> All of this is like just incredibly impressive to me. And then even more so where you get people who- will go like hard on the details in some places and, and skip in others, you know, because they're only, they're yeah. only going to do like X amount of work, but I spent all of that time on the, the foreground. So the background gets nothing. It's I'll like just call when that. Someone's in the background and they draw a little happy face on them. Yeah. I'm like, God damn it. I'll just call that contrast or something. But like it, it could be anything and you could pick any one of these details, but I was mostly like the cityscapes, and then in the convenience store, it's not so detailed that he's and he's not including um, like the reading brand, of labels. Yeah, he's not including yeah brand name candy bars or something. But I was like, yeah, these could be Hostess treats. Those are ding dongs. But how long does this mm, take? And just dunk. just people's. I, I just like when the balance between some people take so long on stuff that it never comes out, and some people take forever on stuff and it does and it's like a masterpiece instead yeah like everything about how you treat your art form is like i'm not skimping on anything i'm gonna i, mean, do, I was surprised I'm when i do the hardest thing i can do read this was a whole series because it was that's like yeah. wow how the fuck you guys cranked all these out and how long like how long must you have been working on them when he did astro city for a long time too i think i'm saying that right and that was a really cool series that was like reasonably long i want to say it was like 20 or 30 issues if not hmm. more than that rostin yeah. He's I, one of those dudes that's like so. super famous, but I really could only name a few things he's ever done. Yeah, this stuff. Astro City was like his co creator own thing with Kurt Busiek, I think is, it, is yep, his name. That's yeah. Yeah. Oh now you're talking about. So what's cool here is they flip it and after showing you, you know, how Batman was created, what Batman does, how people perceive him, they flip immediately to Bruce Wayne. And as Bruce Wayne, he exhibits the same discipline at these parties and in corporate meetings. He's very calculated about his presentation. And this being Deanie, that's very in line with his and Conroy's portrayal of Batman and Bruce. Uh, His board members want to gentrify the Bayside neighborhood, a place that he often patrols as Batman. And Bruce practically cringes at the thought of these people thinking that he's one of them because, you know, they talk about how it's like when, for example, like I have friends that are mixed, right? They'll tell me about, oh yeah, like hanging out with these guys and they start saying some racist shit as if I'm one of them because they think that I'm white, right? They don't know. I'm like, your last name is Martinez. How are they not putting that together, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but that's essentially the feeling that he's getting here of like, there's 
talking about these people's lives like they're nothing and like, oh, you know, you get it. You're one of us. <laughs> and he's like, Jesus, well, I fucking hate you. The other way he's looking at it too is like, well, how would I have turned out if that happened but I wasn't rich and had a, the support structure? Yeah. But then the other is like, what if everything just worked out for me? Mm-hmm. Would I be a shithead? Totally. We talked about those no word bubbles, but I like the silence of this stuff. Uh, again, because I've talked about how much I like a quiet Batman. I don't like a yelly Batman. And everything about this, partially because we don't we don't hear the dialogue, we don't even see the dialogue. You know that he's talking, but from what you get of the narration, it makes it seem like he says very little at all. Like he just spends yeah. a lot of time listening mouth. and thinking mm-hmm. and only saying the right stuff. And um, that's a really cool storytelling choice. Like uh, recently watched the new season of that show you on netflix and they borrow a lot from dexter in that where people might be having conversations on screen and you're hearing his narration about the conversation Mm -hmm. instead of dialogue that doesn't necessarily matter as long as you're driving home the point Mm -hmm. and you know kind of the the repercussions of what's being said and so i think as a, a storytelling device, this is really, really effective for a short Batman story. Mm-hmm. When I didn't bring my notes because I would, I'd have you very didn't few write notes. Any? Yeah, that's basically why. But like <laughs> one of the three notes that I had for this was that he's cold and calculating, mm. and not in a bad way. But like that's that's perfect Batman, and as you're saying, like silent. Yeah. Like he's he's extremely silent guardian, deliberate about oh, everything he does. Protector. My dark guardian, my no. dark passenger. Excuse me. Oh yeah, dark passenger. Batman returns to Bayside that night and hears gunshots. He witnesses a gunman run out of a store who is easily apprehended, but the damage is done. I thought he kind of looked like Willie Lopez from Ghost. You remember Ghost? I know it exists, but I've never seen it. (laughs) I've had the time of my life. Ghost is with Swayze and... And dancing. Demi and... And Clay. And and the pottery. They dance at the summer camp. Oh, I love that movie. Dance at the summer. That's, that's a fucking dirty, uh, dancing. D- dirty dancing. Yeah. Yeah, what are you talking Ghost about? is the Unchained Melody, or yeah, where that's he, where they're doing the clay in that song. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, where yeah. He's clay. the okay. the bar security guard. Do you know his karate? <laughs> that's Roadhouse. Why don't we do Roadhouse? That's a great uh, Batman movie. What a movie. great Jesus movie. What? Swayze as Batman could have. <sighs> yes. Inside, he finds the bodies of a couple who presumably owns that store. And is shocked to find their, I believe, maybe 10 to 12-year-old son cowering behind the counter. And he instantly recognizes himself in this boy's face. He's just absolutely shattered. You see the tears in his eyes and the fear. and That's just a great shot. And to me, Batman looking down at him, that looks like Keaton to me. Like the suit is completely different and everything, but just the... The emotion on the face, yeah. the shape of his mouth, that's very... The eyes. Yeah. I like that he's... Batman is kind of a thick boy, and <laughs> and Ross doesn't shy away from giving him a little double chin when he yeah. looks down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Batman famously has a butt chin a lot of the time, but uh, he never has the uh, the chin roll. Man, this, uh, this boy's this expressions are so good. Oh, yeah, so much protein. Yeah, and every other story, Alfred's trying to give him food, and he's like, fuck off out of here, butler. I'm not eating that. I'm busy. This Batman only eats steaks. Um, Before and and after workout. Yeah, yeah. The the page before this, the... not a vegetarian. Metallic 
trash can is incredible looking. Man, the shit that I Oh, look at those notice. cookies, first off. Look at those yeah. freaking cookies. <laughs> it's like that's art so good that you get hungry looking at yeah, it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> these cookies look incredible. And then keep going just to the right. Boom, trash can. Look at this freaking trash can. That's the that famous painting where it's the guy holding the reflective orb. Yes. And so it's the room and then also Escher. everything reflected. Is that an Escher thing? Yep. That's what that trash can looks like. Yeah. That it's, I can't, see like a little I can't bit even of, believe it. I don't know. It looks like a Star Wars droid from across the room. Yeah, it's the tall version. It's the basketball version <laughs> it's of R two D two. Gonk. Everyone's talking about Gonk lately. That's What's Gonk. Gonk. Gonk is the gonk. I, I know Gak. Trash can robot. It yeah. looks like a little. Remember Gak? Speaking of clay. Yeah. Huh? Gak and Smud. Uh, smack. You do smack. <laughs> stretch, okay. stretch arm strokes. Two of them. There was Gak and Flam. Jesus and Christ, we're losing it, guys. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? I contest this, that we never had a thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd argue that if your bubble is big enough, then everything is in the domain. <laughs> in a plain clothes disguise, Bruce visits the scene of the crime the next morning. The gangs are taking over the block, having already tagged the store where the robbery took place. At a nearby diner, his waitress is a person he recognizes as a repeat criminal who is trying to go straight and turn her life around. And he empathizes with her attempt. Again, a lot of this story is about kind of the cyclical nature of this stuff and yeah. poverty and crime. And what drives yeah, people exactly. to it and drives them back to it. Yep. And so he empathizes with her and gives her a very hefty tip. If you zoom in, he hands her a $100 bill. <gasps> he laments this inevitable cycle of criminal recidivism and fully expects that she'll relapse and he'll have to take her in again. I like the way he described it. He's like, when faced with the soul-crushing drudgery of this life she's made for herself. Yeah. <laughs> like, damn. Yeah. Just working this boring job sucks. I don't just want to go back to committing crimes. That's Yeah. At least I feel something. I mean, I, I definitely feel the soul-crushing part when I'm working service jobs, but um, I don't know about the uh, have you given wanting to crime? rob people instead. Have you tried it? I don't think you've tried it yet. Yeah, oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. How do you know you don't like it <laughs> uh, if you never even tried? I got the old uh, that rap line. The uh, no wonder people resort to a life of crime. I'm just not content with a nine to five. Oh yeah, he means his own rap line. Yeah, my own rap line. <laughs> just the classic line. Just in case someone knows. was going to rap genius, going like, where the fuck is that? Sam talks about himself all the time. I was like, I can do this. I can do this one time. Hey, you're a musician. You write songs. <laughs> Say, well, holy shit. Yeah. I'm like, damn, I didn't know that. According to Bruce, this once lively neighborhood was torn apart when big businesses left for greener pastures. And now they want to return and finish the job, essentially. Like, it was industry leaving this place behind mm -hmm. that allowed it to deteriorate in this way. And then it's big business going, oh, well, now we can buy it on the cheap, level all this fucking shit, and... Totally rebrand. I know so, some off-duty cops who will go in and push out the people you don't want there. Which is kind yes. of interesting, too, because we talk about White Knight or other stories that talk about the real-life implications of uh, mm -hmm. masked vigilante in your city. Yeah. But probably no scenario is more real-life than that scenario right there. Yeah. Like how many deserted old 
main streets have you been in or something mm-hmm. that like got it outed by big box stores and then blah and like the flow of stuff throughout a city like now we're developing this other area this place sucks now so these guys with yeah. the money scoop up this property and be a couple new brew now it's a high rise and, uh, uh, yeah yeah it's crazy that's actually a very realistic scenario when you said that it reminded me of uh my friend chad from double dragon where he lived for a while or maybe where his folks live when you drive into there, it's kind of in the Bay Area. It's weird because it's this newish development that they gave up on. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's got all these nice houses and shit, and then there's all this nothingness because they kind of stopped building it. There would have been like a nice strip mall or something. Yeah, you would have had mm-hmm. some restaurants and mm-hmm. and some grocery stores and you know things like that in the area, but there's nothing, and there's this little. I mean, it's not it's not tiny, but there's this little residential community with really nice houses, and then no other houses and no other businesses and nothing. It was like, all right, everyone migrate out here, right? We're going to expand because we're tired of building on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And then, well, that didn't go as well as we thought. You know what? Fuck you guys. We'll see you later. <laughs> For sure. Build uh, your own store. T- two related-ish things uh, when watching that um, movies that made us show, mm-hmm. they talk so much about the business side of yeah. movie making. And I thought it was super interesting in, in, in the episode where they're talking about Nightmare on Elm Street. They're talking about how they're like, their continued search for funding while making the movie. Yeah. In my head, I'm just thinking like, yeah, you secured the money. Now you're making the movie. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like they're asking people to work without pay for like weeks at a time sure. just while they, because this, uh, this loan, fell out and these people lost interest and all this. I was like, oh yeah. my God. Every time they get new money, there's like a time limit on that. Each sure. day they work, we'll eat that money up. Yep. Like, oh, we didn't finish and we don't have any money yeah. left. So it only stands to reason that the building market would be like that also. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we were building this high rise and, and this lender pulled out or yeah, the something. economy tanked and now yep. there's, investors are all, you exactly. know, scared. So they're, they're holding oh, yeah, back. Stock markets yeah. fluctuate. So, um, you know, we had to change our... Investment strategy here. But before, Sorry, guys. Uh, oh, cool. How <laughs> dope. Well, uh, this street's a dead end now. Yeah. Before Phil and Rebecca moved out of Portland, they'd they'd lived in this um, this newer newer spot. They only like recently got made. It, they thought it was cool because it it had amenities. It was fresh. It was kind of swanky, cool. They got it. They were able to get in their spot on the the semi cheap because. The building was new, and so they needed to occupy oh, the rooms. Yeah. Obviously, Attract you need to, people yeah, to come over yeah, exactly. Then. Not obviously, you need to start making money on your stuff. But what I thought was interesting about it was that I never really thought about people developing stuff only to sell it, yeah. which is like the big version of flipping homes, I guess. Mm-hmm. But they need to get tenants so that a prospective buyer. Will look at this building okay, and be like, in income. Yeah, and it's, for it's fresh and it's occupied so that I can sell it to these people. But just yep. this like illusion of completion, this facade of building stuff that never got to be anything, you know? Well, and like the, you're talking about with the movie thing, I mean, that's sort of, I think, what people who invest on that level and do business on that level, that's what they get really comfortable with. Yeah. The idea that like it's the flip side of possibility. Like there's always possibilities. There's always options and opportunities. The flip side is that nothing is ever done. Everything can also yeah. be a failure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like sometimes it's 
it's not about finishing it. It's just about getting out of it because mm-hmm. it's not going to work. This isn't the thing. Yeah. Now we need to make the iMac or whatever because the last <laughs> thing didn't work. So I need a new idea. We always need something new. Mm-hmm. And they just like, they live in that world of, no. Perpetual investments. Yeah, I got to cut and run. This thing didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I really like though how that all feeds in, in this story, kind of the white flight kind of. And then now that it's all ruined and cheap, Mm-hmm. Let's come back and buy it up. Mm-hmm. You know? And the, and that you're getting the two part business version, street level version of the same scenario. You know, yeah. two two stories moving forward that are actually the same story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Later, Batman spots a burglary in the back alley of an electronics store. He observes, much like Invincible, which I just mentioned, that people never look up. He said the lookout is keeping an <laughs> eye out. But he doesn't see me up here. And under the cover of smoke, he swoops in and apprehends the entire gang. He takes pride in scaring them. And this is not Sick in a fuck. sadistic <laughs> way of Frank Miller necessarily, but you can tell he gets a thrill out of it. And when he turns to the lookout, he mentions, like, you know, he's terrified of me or whatever, just like I planned or you know well and i was thinking about it yeah in this scene it's exactly that that to him it's like it's a job well done and not just like i I beat a bunch of people job well done the idea that like he's not he's playing up the urban legend thing going like Mm -hmm. oh yeah they see me swoop in from out of nowhere they have no fucking idea what happened i'm in and out but yeah but that he takes them out he's not like bashing their heads in over and over until they die he's like so surgical about it yeah it's not focused on the violence Mm -hmm. it's focused on the spectacle yeah Mm mm-hmm He's good at it. So when he turns to the lookout and is like, oh, yeah, I can see he's fucking terrified, right? And he gets closer and he sees that it is Marcus, the young man who lost his parents in the robbery. You know, he's instantly struck by that and lets him escape. Back at the cave, we see the famous shirtless scars scene as he lifts weights, what Ben mentioned earlier. We referenced this scene on the Three Jokers episode, uh, the Fabok homage. He looks to be shoulder pressing over 190 pounds, which is incredible. Well, then he could do it to me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce wonders if he didn't have the same wealth and resources as Ben alluded to. Would he have lashed out at the world like Marcus and many others have done? He morbidly thinks once more that perhaps his parents' death gave him a different purpose in his life, something that he could latch on to and keep him from repeating that cycle. It's interesting because, so Brian Azzarello did... Joker? Joker. Brian Azzarello also did 100 Bullets, which I didn't realize... Which I haven't read, but yeah. For me, it was like, as like an 18-year-old or maybe a little older, the things that got me really into comics... Because I had like a Spider-Man subscription when I was 12 or something like that. Like yeah. they mailed it to me. But what got me back in was, was like Why the Last Man, 100 Bullets, I think Invincible, Walking Dead. But so I didn't realize that hearing everyone talk about Brian Azzarello and Joker and all this. And I was kind of like, it was one of those things that people just kept hyping. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of Stop avoided. Stop telling me about this yeah, thing. don't tell me what to like. But that's a neat thing in, it's actually near the conclusion without spoiling the story where someone is talking about this character putting them in these situations and it like really pissing them off. And just like how hard it was, but then another character going, but didn't that give your life meaning? 
Yeah. It wasn't the thing that You're gave starting you starting to purpose. sound like the Joker a little bit yeah. here, okay? Um, <laughs> it's not it's not like that, but just in that that idea I think is really interesting, especially for Batman. All the things we talk about that what they talk about Batman doing over and over, that's one that I don't think we see a lot, the idea that could have gone another way. Mm-hmm. And, or that he's even thankful in some way that it gave his life such a it gave him a crusade that's so meaningful to him. Yes, because when he acknowledges this there is a shame attached to it of like, I know this is a morbid thought, but in reality, I'm channeling this and trying to do something good mm-hmm. when I could be so easily one of these same people that I grew up with and went to school with and graduated from all the same you know, places. Yeah. yeah, I could have been bail on the yacht with the ballerinas. <laughs> <laughs> that was a ruse, okay? Part of the disguise. Bruce's dreams are haunted by Marcus and the look of fear on his face. He meets with Randall Winters again about this Bayside development. And Randall's tone is very cavalier when Bruce expresses his concern for the people who live there. He says, basically, that's Batman's job. That's for the police to figure out, you know. And he offers to pay off some cops if you really want to run some people out of the neighborhood, you know. And every time we circle back to this Bruce Wayne stuff, it's like his blood is boiling here. Like, oh my God, this, this is his customer service. You know, <laughs> he's like, I have to fucking play along with this <laughs> asshole is saying right now. <laughs> just that face of just like, oh, okay. He's like, I'm going to look like I'm thinking hard, but really. Well, what I like is that I always associate this level of society with just a bunch of niceties and grab assing and laughing at bullshit and stuff and just just fakery Pinky like on, up. yeah <laughs> just on all the levels and i can't even imagine bruce wayne laughing at all yeah like this guy's doing all the talking he says very little but what i like is that he he I guess he just exists because he is who he is, but I I don't think that anybody would actually like want to hang out with him. Like they don't <laughs> they don't they don't want him in like the board meeting or anything like that because I'm like man this this guy's freaking me well, out. I imagine him as like a guy who when somebody says something like as you say he never laughs he smiles but he never laughs. Mm-hmm. It's like comedians in cars with Jerry Seinfeld where when he has a guest on and the guest says a joke and then it cuts to Jerry and he's like his face is like he's laughing yeah. but there's actually no sound coming out and yeah. he's just kind of like. Because it's not funny enough for him, mm-hmm. but he's well, he's like, well, I'm supposed to. He's smile. having a good time though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. Well, it's polite. <laughs> Last night I was watching Succession on HBO, and there was some implication that Brian Cox's character, who was in his 80s, might be having an affair, and I was like, who the fuck? Well, I mean, this dude's face looks like. <laughs> You know, like in the, like on the player haters ball on the Chappelle show, it looks bombed out and depleted like <laughs> Afghanistan. You know, like right. And I was like, who the fuck would be like? Oh yeah, billionaire, billionaire. Yeah. Forgot. Not yeah. even in a gold digger way. That's just attractive to have a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, very very powerful yeah, person. Don't forget yeah. about the money. Yeah. Batman goes to presumably the Iceberg Lounge to get information from Penguin. Alex Ross has recently shared this Penguin also in terms of uh, the new trailer for the Batman. Yeah, Penguin is not intimidated by violence. We see no violence occur, but we see all these knocked out henchmen in the background in their fancy tuxes. And Penguin's uh, just like, hey, I'm going to file charges. 
Well, and I like that it, it says something about the people hanging out at this club, <laughs> maybe wanting to be there because of the allure of knowing who owns it. Mm-hmm. Jaded, thrill dangerous. Yeah, 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 that's interesting. But what I really like here is that because he's not threatened by violence, he threatens his liquor license. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen Batman where he gets painted into a corner, like, oh, you can't punch your way out of this one. You know, what you going to do? Okay, I'll play the long game. That's cool, too, but I didn't think about it, that it, that sits very well also with the stuff with the pool party later. And, like, mm-hmm. Batman's just like, I'll just do what I can do. I can't punch all these people. Not all these people are super, super villains. But I also know how the law works, and I'll threaten them or I'll get them where I can. Yeah, that's going to hurt him way more than punching him in the face. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and that's what's cool about this story is that we see Bruce and Batman operating simultaneously toward the same goal. And yeah. both being useful. Yes, exactly. And in the following scenes here, it's another homage in the streets. He takes a very targeted approach to Bayside crime using the information he got from Penguin. And he says he's going very aggressive until, quote, word gets out that someone's watching and he's angry, Right. He finds the gang's headquarters at an abandoned factory that was once the heart of Bayside's economy. Again, he descends with the uh, cloud of smoke and disarms everybody. It's actually drugs. He kicks dude. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's like a it's, bag of cocaine. It, yeah, it's like a whatever. bag of coke. Like, oh, that's, no. that's what I think I is so funny. Like, he's they're so fighting. high in this Yeah, scene. yeah, like, oh, my God. If they're, <laughs> I didn't catch that. Yeah, so. yes. He kicks dude and the baggie explodes. That's, that's what I think is so funny. They're, it's not oh my God. It's drugs that's, in the air. Yeah, they're fighting in drug powder. I wonder if that's where Birds of Prey got it. Because to me, this mirrored the other scene so perfectly yeah. that I just assumed it was a smoke bomb. And he's always yeah, using that's, smoke bombs. That's the fucking birds of prey thing. That's hilarious. They, he's like, he's covering the his face a little bit. Blows. Yeah, everybody else would be... I just thought he was doing that because he's creepy. No. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the dark wing duck pose. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He is creepy. He thought, I'm going to send all these drugs into the air and then beat and these this, people. And this 10-year-old can breathe them in. <laughs> Funnest fight scene I've okay. ever been a part of. Well, anyway. This 10-year-old he, is high on cocaine. And yeah. He's, he's holding, holding a gun, gun to Batman. <laughs> And I'm going to appeal to reason. <laughs> no, he uh, hears someone grab a heavy object out of a drawer from behind him. And he knows, oh, shit, it's Marcus, right? He turns, and Marcus has the gun drawn on him. And this is truly the best part of the story in that Batman disarms him emotionally, appealing to his empathy. He says, a man with a gun once took away people that I loved. Don't become what killed our families. You know, he truly puts himself in that kid's shoes and vice versa. He shows him, look, dude, we are the same. Do not keep perpetuating this. Mm-hmm. And no fight. physical threat. Yeah. No menace or intimidation or anything. Yeah. I mean, this is emotionally, this is a stone's throw from Keaton taking the cowl off at the end of Returns. I mean, he is really not trying to threaten this kid in any way and it ends with this embrace that's just one of the most amazing Batman panels ever because like that's not what you think of and yet it's so on brand at the same time. You remember that last thing we looked at where the guy revealed that he was an orphan on the streets and Batman just kept punching him in the face and said, (laughs) so what? (laughs) 
We're not the same at all. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't hear him saying any words. It was just a bunch of mm, gurgles in the Ooh. Man, well, it, that is some scathing criticism. And this is super powerful, but also, God, what freaking cartoon was it? <laughs> Where the... I bet it was Japanese. Looney Tunes. No. It was a Batman cartoon. It was something that we talked about. Tex Avery. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's children in cages and they fight the toy guy. Oh, it's and the oh. second oh, uh, yeah, yeah. the Damien trilogy. Yeah. Son and, of Batman. And that's one thing that I noted Batman was Robin. Batman comforting the children. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, to be able to fight the guys and disarm those villains in the drug clouds and then instantly go to disarming Empathy. and comforting a child. And we don't get to see that Batman all the time. But sometimes all we get is uh, yelling "kick-ass Batman" and not not capable of. It's only cold Batman. But this is where Dini excels because a lot of people still credit the animated series as like the definitive Batman because of how well-rounded he is in that regard. They do show him as. Not only a sympathetic character, which many stories do, but in the way that he shows empathy towards the people he's capturing sometimes. Because the instinct in like an action movie or something would be to beat up all the criminals, and then you flip a switch when you comfort the victims, right? But in this case, he sees someone who is one of the perpetrators who is not too far gone to save, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Or... On like I mentioned the baby doll episode when he takes her in, he still understands that these are choices from really difficult, fucked up circumstances, and he feels a little bit bad taking her in, you know. And so I give Dini a lot of credit for that. You wouldn't think of this story, just looking at it, as being tied in with that, because so many elements are different in the look and feel, mm-hmm. but no. the heart of it's the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. to say, I mean, so I complimented it just that I like this, that this is a cold and calculating Batman, yeah. and a lot of it's because we don't see him talking, it's just the narration. But as you're saying as well, it's well-rounded. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. the human side, the empathetic side, he's looking at it from all angles, it's not just... And he's still very capable, yeah. you know, and, and still obsessive in all the things, he's still driven in all these things, but he's a lot more self-aware and, and just... Human. Even when we celebrate the violence, which can be awesome to look at, like well-choreographed scenes, that kind of stuff. I like teeth flying out <laughs> yeah. across one panel into the next An one. elbow into the eye. <laughs> that this doesn't really revel in that at all. There's no. a little bit of like, look at how you cool he is. You almost don't but, see it because yeah. it's all in shadow or smoke. I didn't think about this until now that like these fight scenes aren't really like fight scenes. He's just doing what he needs to to disarm these people. Yeah. But the whole time he's he's talking about the this cycle of crime and wishing that he could help people out of this scenario and redemption is possible for them and stuff. <laughs> what I think is so cool is he feels like that and he seems to have the most disdain for these like corporate dickheads because they're the source of the shit yeah he's not he's not like being malicious i don't get that when he's fighting these guys he's just kind of like ah the you know trickle down byproducts and you know these these bad circumstance and stuff but these are people still but when i'm in this board meeting these are like snakes yeah and i and i feel no good things for Mm. this is bad this is actually bad stuff well in a story with 
I mean, Penguin is kind of a cameo, but in a story with primarily no supervillains, mm-hmm. the most real-world supervillains totally. are yeah. often those yeah. people. While still right. not completely going like, yeah, money's bad, rich people are bad, still looking at it and going like, I could have been just like them. Mm-hmm. If not for this. Yeah, if yeah. they are a product of their circumstances, like everyone is. Yeah. Which is like, it, it would be really easy to just be like, oh, fucking rich guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's the commentary at all. I think it's it's showing that you can have that background and have those privileges and resources and still consider how you're doing it. And we'll get to how the story ends. How the story ends is the best, the best tie-in here. So Bruce visits Randall, the executive, who does not understand Bruce's compassion for these people. This is at the pool party, right? And as he's walking out, Gordon and the cops are walking in to break up the party and ask some questions about police bribery, right? So we know that he tipped him off again. He's playing the long game. Just to come in there face-to-face, he didn't have to because he knew the cops were going to come and bust them, right? But he just went down there and was like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to do the right thing. Oh, by the way, you're busted. And he doesn't stay to watch it. As far as this guy knows, they're unrelated, and I love that. Mm -hmm. And in the closing scene, Batman acknowledges that this war on crime can never be won, but these small victories, like with Marcus, give him hope. And he continues this fight one person at a time, hoping that Marcus will find a life without pain, a wish that he shares for himself. Wow, what a perfect ending here. We see him reopen that factory, revitalize this community, put those resources and this wealth to great use. Wear a hard hat. Yeah, yes. Bruce and a hard hat. But the thing is, like, he is going for the root of the problem. That's I, what I love. I can't remember what the line is, but he says something so cool about but the profit margin will be so minimal. But it'll be but, worth it. It'll yeah, pay off. It, in, yeah, but what it does for this other... The profits and money will be marginal. In human spirit, incalculable. Super yeah. cool. That's just nice writing, too. Incalculable. Well, it's funny because I remember, I read it years ago, so I don't know who said it, but it was some classic comics author commenting Me. on I yeah, said it. <laughs> you, you, your typically negative fashion. Twas I. No, commenting, and he didn't name anybody, name anyone by name, but he was he like, didn't name anyone by name. He didn't name anyone. <laughs> he named him by action. You're, the, you're gonna go to the ATM machine after this. <laughs> punch in your pin number. Yeah. No, it's so. <laughs> Somebody asked him about the painting, like the painters. Didn't explicitly name anyone by name, but said, like, <laughs> what do you... And the, the person's response was, oh, yeah, I mean, the art's fantastic, but, I mean, like, if the writing's not there and the story's not there, then what's the point? It was something to that effect. Yeah, and we felt that way about certain stories. Yeah, but something about... Because it was explicitly, like, referencing Painter. painted... And, and so I immediately thought of Alex Ross, and mm-hmm. but, like, Kingdom Come is one of the first comics that I read... Really? Because I got it that's in That's a the, high bar. That's yeah. why you don't like anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing is close to that. I remember because my dad always had a book club membership, and he was like, wanted me to read. So I was like, yeah, I'll get you a sci-fi book club membership, a, a mail order thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I can order a comic book from this and read cool. that instead. But I've never thought that he was a bad writer. So maybe he wasn't talking about him, but I felt like he was just because he so specifically was talking about the amazing painting. But if the story and the writing's not any good, what's the point? Mm-hmm. And granted, Alex Russ didn't write that, but... 
But again, the storytelling devices yeah. that we've talked about. It's not just a pretty painting. It's, wow. Yeah. And a lot of it too seems like very classic and very like, you already said Norman Rockwell, but that's how a lot of this stuff feels to me. Like Alex Ross's heroes look like heroes. Yeah. They're like borderline mythological. Like mm-hmm. they all have like a profile and a stature that like sets them apart from Barrel other people. Chess. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like Just, this epic grand yeah, scale. Like these are superheroes. In a world where in a other world. people <laughs> other people look like normal people. Mm-hmm. The yeah. wide variety of body types and heights and faces and all that. Mm-hmm. They look real, but also, as you're saying, like statuesque. Yeah. Otherworldly, yeah. yeah, like something special about them. Well, but in the all- other stories in this collection, you have Superman towering over from the sky, right? But coming down to Earth and trying to think about how with these powers can he solve like world hunger in Africa. I'll build a factory at the boardwalk, (laughs) bring jobs back to Africa. And in the Wonder Woman story, she is trying to stop these warring nations and end this war, right? And so it's like each one of these like you said, otherworldly characters being used in such a grounded and practical way. We've reinvented these characters so many times. And what's cool about this is it's so old fashioned. Mm-hmm. And yet you're stripping away all the flair and going, yeah, but who are we talking about? Yeah, what are their ideals? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes, it's the ideological battles that each one of these characters represents. And that is what really sells it for me. The writing to me kind of like harkens to, a, I'm thinking of like the 1940s and, and like World War II and how a person might frame something horrific in a way that made it seem Not. better than it was. Yeah, And so that's how the wording of a lot of this and it's not like it's innocent or something. People get murdered. Yeah. But it feels like it makes everything more wholesome, not digestible in an easier way. Well, it's a little bit romanticized. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's no revelry in it in the way where, and some of these things that I like that I think we all like, we're like, Oh, that fucking violence was awesome. Okay. Here's an angle. We've talked about how, the Joker at his best is a yin and yang. Dressed as a woman. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right. cute. He's got a back tattoo. <laughs> no, but he's a mirror image of, he's a funhouse mirror image of Batman. And he's a exact opposite, right? And in this story, the child, Marcus, is a mirror image of Batman. And so taking an unknown character who is young and by his nature of his youth vulnerable, right? You're already going to feel for him and then tie all that in with the way they open the story with all the year one stuff. It's just... You're saying Marcus is the first black Joker? This is ahead (laughs) of its time. No. Wow. No, I'm saying... Here's the thing. A lot of times in storytelling, you try to find an antagonist who is a mirror of your hero, right? But in this case, it's not the antagonist, but this kid is sort of the vehicle through which we move through the story in a way you know he's the casualty of this violence both as a victim in the beginning and then as someone who gets caught up and and begins to repeat the cycle Mm -hmm. so there is no big bad guy necessarily that we're going after and yet 
this other person who's the through line here is a perfect echo of his own experience. I agree. Easter eggs. Anything? Bruce, as a bag lady, when he's <laughs> scoping out the store, is like the dark, the dark, dark night. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's one of his go-to. I'm Matches Malone, and I'm also Bag Lady or Bag Man. <laughs> if they, you get the glass cases in the Batcave that show suits through the era, and then the Bag Lady one with the cart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's funny. Yeah. I wrote the Three Jokers thing, the Matt Reeves Penguin. Uh, there's actually a another Matt Reeves shot in there that is very much Battenson's jawline i yeah. think it's mostly the, the like warehouse down. the warehouse one bottom right picture it's a bottom panel yeah it yeah. almost looks like yep. it's a photograph i was gonna save this for a con and i will but i'll tease you with that Ooh, Ooh. tease me as another easter egg too just the way the back cave and the back computer look very like 60s yeah which is probably when alex ross was a kid i would imagine yeah, I think what we're trying to say here is uh, Alex Ross is old. Old, old-fashioned, outdated. And can't, <laughs> a relic. Can't tell a story. A former time. Yeah. This was stressful to read. Every other book we've read is better. Um, yeah. Ben's going to give it a one. So you Okay, Easter notes. eggs. Easter eggs. Here's one I really liked. It is not the moments of tragedy that define our lives, but what we decide to do with them. And this sort of a reverse Easter egg in that it very much reminded me of Begins, the whole, it's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Swear um, to me! <laughs> yes, it reminded me of Flash Upside Down, swear to me, that's right. <laughs> do I look like a cop? <laughs> but no, I, I liked that line a lot. Pros. Every single yeah, how do I Yeah, how do I say everything? And also look at for 10 more minutes. More specific. It fundamentally understands Batman. Yeah. In the way that year one gets Batman fundamentally, this is a completely different look with the same, like, this is Batman. If you were going to show someone one Batman story, this could be in the running. of Like, this is why the character is, is interesting to read and why he connects with people. Yeah, right. If someone was like, I, don't, I just don't get all the crazy characters and all this stuff. Like, here, read 50 this. pages. Yeah. Yeah. And there's almost no words. It'll make everything else look bad afterwards. <laughs> like, how is the writing that good and so sparse at the same time? You know, like, Less they is more. say so much yeah. with so little. I mean, so much of it is letting the comic, the art of it, do the storytelling. Yeah. I really wonder what that collaboration was like behind the scenes. I mean, maybe that was, maybe that was why he was top billed. Maybe he conceptualized this thing first and, and then had Paul script it. it for him. Uh -huh. You know, could be one, you know, like you watch a film and it'll say, story by George Ben Polanski and Evan Vaught and then it'll say screenplay by Evan Vaught right you guys came up with it together he wrote the motherfucker I don't do words good <laughs> everything but one thing that we haven't really touched on is related to the art but I know that Alex Ross uses a lot of photo reference mm -hmm. but his use of a, like an implied light source is incredible yeah, I think he'll actually pose models, take yes. real photos with real lighting, and then yeah. recreate them. But it's like incredible. It's it's not a, it's not cheating in any way, but it's like exactly what you would do in a movie to like. How do I make this more dramatic? Ominous, uh, or yeah, I need to about, I need to yeah. light it from the bottom or something like that. But so well, great. I might as well say a thing because that was like it's not really a con, but it's the closest thing I have to a con in this is that. And it's because I've seen all the behind the scenes stuff like that. He literally does that. He has a model come up. Yeah, that sometimes when I look at this. Sometimes I see, like, 
a picture that he just painted a sure. picture. Yeah. And it looks amazing, but it's also like that's just a woman who stood in his study and then he painted it. But he, didn't, it's not bad. But he didn't trace it, though. I know no, that. No, yeah, yeah. But it just, like, sometimes it looks like a sea of well, models. Well, actually, here, it's, just for your guys' own, in the back of the collected edition, you see some of the photos totally. and the drawings of the photos. Mm. So it'll oh. actually take you into that process a little bit. You know it would be super neat? It's pretty cool. Well, attached to that, drawing or painting a portrait isn't cheating yeah, because you it. add reference. I can do it. If you give me a picture, I can do it. <laughs> yes. But if you're shooting, the, I think the point is also not everything is like this because, say, in the case of Tim Sale, you, you could be like- <laughs> Here we go. Well, no, this is, it'll yeah, be short. Relax to No, it's, <laughs> it's short. But Have I said that before? <laughs> you couldn't say, I can't tell what you're going for. Mm -hmm. Alex Ross is attempting- <laughs> Um, to bring a human to life realism yeah he's shooting for reality and pulling it off yeah D just done yeah. like you're no question yeah you're you can, if you didn't success. like this it wouldn't be like well he doesn't do a good job it's, he doesn't <laughs> it's not, you no one can say that about it's the this. worst best yeah, watercolor if, I've if ever you seen didn't before. like this it'd be mostly just well i prefer it a little more stylized or St i, yeah. I yeah. prefer it a little more action-packed yeah you know those things, for sure. Alex Ross just doesn't have any skill or talent. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> kind of a schmuck. Yeah. When you were looking at that, Sam, that made me... I've seen people do it recently where people will give themselves like an inking assignment just mm -hmm. to like practice stuff. And it's been kind of cool because it's actually been like a really obvious example of, you know, how we will talk about what a difference the inker makes and how it's actually really obvious, like, oh my gosh, I could, I could see your style, or I've seen your pencils versus like, oh my gosh, you must be bringing a lot. Yeah. But that just made me think that in addition to Ross's final product being awesome, his pencils are also great. They're very detailed, and he takes the time to fill in his blacks and stuff. Inking his stuff would be very interesting. Yeah, And it would be cool to see somebody, because you only ever get watercolor, Alex Ross finishing up his own stuff. It'd be or, really cool. We talked about process videos and stuff, man. Oh. Seeing his. <laughs> yeah. Like this is over the yeah, course of the year. Show me your one week <laughs> yes. time lapse. Yeah. Um, but it would be really cool to see somebody. I went down to the local gym and I found the meatiest guy I could and I invited him over to my house and had him stand <laughs> still. Cut up his back <laughs> for realism. <laughs> uh, it'd be so cool to see somebody do the quote comic book version of his stuff over the top like, of yeah it. like somebody ink this and somebody give me the digital ink or colors just yeah. to show me yeah. what this could look like makes me wonder if it exists anywhere probably Maybe. does the superman can you get out your phone really quick and google pencils by alex ross and see what comes up i mean he does pencil stuff anyway the superman part of the process sketches in the back is the most interesting because he went as far as commissioning a suit to be made for the photos so he could see how the logo would drape across the chest and things like that. Mm -hmm. And then down here, he actually has a miniature that he's holding in flying poses to mm -hmm. see, you know, how the, the form would look. I mean, this shit is amazing. It's, it's no wonder. It's not just the time that you put into the actual drawing. It's but, cheating, yeah. But no. Even, even, his, even his roughs, even his thumbnails look super cool to me. Yeah, the little... Pencil sketches. And that's the other thing, too, is... Storyboard sketches, like I should say. The backgrounds and stuff, but the angles and the like the camera perspectives that he picks yeah. are like so incredibly dynamic without... Sometimes people do the like, 
the fisheye. Like yeah. the stuff that he picks is so dynamic without bending reality. Yeah, even just that pool, like the amount of work that went into the, the perspective, yeah, shooting the perspective. Yeah, like Bruce is front lit because of the lights emanating from the, the pool. pool. Yeah. But like the cityscapes and stuff. Well, from the opening scene, they're all like, he does, he loves low shots and high shots and yeah. Dutch angles. and uh, Again, like no part of this dude is shying away from the work. He would honestly be a fantastic film director. Yeah. Yeah. You know. It's very cinematic. I mean, from that opening page, I was like, oh, yeah, Alex Ross. Like, when it's, uh, <laughs> it's not the very oh. opening page, but it's like the second or third one where it's that one where... Oh, where he's swooping down. Yeah, and the perspective is like looking down the street, but the camera's aimed upwards, so you get the perspective of the skyscrapers the going buildings. up, the street going down. And the separation between each side of the street where the buildings don't quite meet, and yep. he's planted in the center. So perfect. Also, the especially in Roller the case Ball of... Magazine. I know. I was, I, that, yeah, I was, I was kind of geeking out on like the convenience Little store. Details in the background. Yeah. And looking at these, uh, oh, I was searching for Easter eggs, but also at the same time, like, oh my gosh, look at the. Well, yeah, he's I, not super referential in no. that way. But what's crazy to me is the fact that these are painted in such fine detail. Like you said, they're not printed names on packages and stuff. But the fact is, the color placement shows what where logos would yeah. be, yeah. even zoomed in that fucking small. Like, I guess I have well, two questions: Are comics when a comic when a person who makes comics <laughs> is drawing them, their their page is bigger, right? Yep. So these conceivably could be like every one of these is yeah. a full size painting. I was curious about I the mean, size. Also. I would imagine most like pages are probably again. like. I mean, 11 by 17 or smaller. I don't think they're that big, right? I have a couple at home. I'll measure them when I get home. I have a couple Joe Mad originals. Okay. They're larger still by at least a couple inches in both directions. Mm. I was curious about that too. Like what scale is he working on connected to that? How small are his brushes? Yeah. And then the other thing too that's just like blowing my mind is – um, yeah, look at that face on the newspaper in the fucking background. Yeah, how small is this Unreal. one? Unreal. How good are his eyes? I know he wears glasses, but <laughs> <laughs> does he work with uh, you know, like a fucking people, who, canvas, people who work on like inspect jewelry or work like, on watches have, have, the extra, on <laughs> have the extra magnifying but glasses? That, that's like a, a little peach colored blob with two dots and you're like, yeah, that's a face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's a face. Um, but like what we talked about, they're being a smiley face doodle in the background, right? That is in the background of the background of the background. Yeah. You know, like it's so there's, far. There's levels to this game. Removed. Like you can't even see that on the page. That's you zooming digitally yeah. so far past. Yeah, all those, magazines have, all those magazines have realistic photo faces pretty much. Uh, before I forget, especially characters like Batman or Ninja-esque characters, the comics that are devoid of sound effects. Yeah. It, it like really lends itself to that. Like, I can picture how quiet Batman is. Yeah, and in 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 that picture, everything else is busy. It's like Chicago with your mm -hmm. elevated rail cars. Yeah, uh, actually, that reminds me a little no of, sounds. of Begins. The, yeah, the way the tracks are right above him. But then it's not just that they don't look up; it's that he's not making any sound. Yeah, what well, it doesn't give him a reason to. Whoosh! The, the <laughs> doing the digital art. Has me thinking fap. a lot about fap, 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 doing fap, some of that. Later. Yeah, no, that was one of the sound effects that uh, they would put yeah, in the yeah, books. Classic cave slash masturbation fap. sounds. Come. No, no, no. Jizz. No. God damn it. <laughs>
<laughs> Ninja oh, <no>. Turtles. <laughs> uh, the <laughs> um, one star. Yeah, the season finale, folks. <laughs> the digital art has me thinking a lot about layers and how stuff sits in front of other things. Yeah. What is his? I mean, paints have to dry. You're right, man. Yeah, that his, take an eternity. Yeah, his watercolor is just it's watercolor in the in these. It's either like a tube paint or this little brick that you wet. But you have to the do wa- the background. It has to dry, and then the buildings. Yeah. And or, you ha- you have to know so well to be. And the crazy thing is, like, you'd have to be simultaneously working background to foreground. Yeah. But thinking about you wouldn't use white unless you were doing like an accent color. Yeah. Which would be like the last thing you did. But you also, not only you're thinking like dry time, background to foreground, physically building it towards your face. Yeah. But you have to think about how color plays into all of that simultaneously. Does the one drown out another color? Um, yeah, does it sit on top of mm-hmm. another color? And then also watercolors are people work in watercolors so that they can be loose about yeah. stuff because and that's, that's e- not... when people talk about like a wash, you'll wet the page first and then you'll introduce color to the water and then let it bleed. Mm-hmm. And people work with watercolors because of this like, it's kind of like impressionism where people will derive that it's a flower. That's what you're shooting for. But the tightness of his stuff, yeah, it's so versus, fine-tuned. Yeah, I don't even know how he landed on working on watercolors. I mean, it's not until you get extremely close that you see it's kind of opaque or something. It's opaque in that it's not completely consistent. Not it's exactly not, straight, yeah. perfect yeah. lines. Yep. Can you use a ruler when working with watercolor? No, because other people I wouldn't would, think so. Yeah, because it wouldn't help much. No, I, sure. I just said that. I have no idea because no, it's I absorbing into the page. So. You might have. You might be able to use some straight edge, or if he uses pencils as a layout or something. Mm-hmm. But like yeah. you know, he's not that good, guys. Murphy is <laughs> Murphy is his stuff is full of straight lines, and it's just a tool that people don't like freehand circles all the time, mm-hmm. and it's yeah. uh, so that stuff is prevalent. But can Alex Ross use straight edges when he's painting? Alex Ross is straight edge. You heard it here first. <laughs> Alex Ross is a god. You can't paint those lines when you're drunk. That's <laughs> all right, I'm gonna get into my pros here. Yeah, bro. We've said a lot about the artwork, but. It shows the true heart of this character, as we mentioned, like if this was a first time for someone. But the most important thing to me is that reading this now, 22 years later, it answers the common critique of, well, if Bruce Wayne has all this money and all these resources, then why doesn't he just fucking donate that money and you wouldn't even have to punch poor people and blah 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 right so they can never get a job again exactly and this is the perfect answer to that question he's fighting this battle on both fronts and he's doing it in a way that's intelligent and compassionate even while being as brutal as he has to be when he's tackling street crime right I did think a little bit it's almost hypocritical the way he shudders at the thought of them paying off cops to force people out and then he does a similar thing in okay i got the information i hit those specific areas those specific gangs Mm -hmm. really fucking hard over and over again until word got out right and i think there's a little implication there of like 
when the business guy, when Randall is suggesting, he's like, people who just live there, yeah. we're going to make their life harder so they have to move, where he's like, the people who are mugging and killing store owners, yeah. that's who I'm going to punch. Yeah, not just harassing any old black guy walking yeah. down the street. Yeah, and I think that this is just a very smart, big-picture look at what this character can and should be. Because a lot of times we get caught up in him chasing and being reactionary to some big crime. Fighting happening. the, whatever, Jacob Cain's bat soldiers are called. And, oh. <laughs> and all the <laughs> yeah, Ra- yeah. Ra- 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 goes bat guys. and uh, <laughs> Yeah. But this really, really answers that question in a masterful way. And I don't know if in the 90s that was still a common critique, you know, at that point. I bet mm-hmm. you. I mean, because that, that kind of thought would probably could go all the way back to the, to the, the 70s. Yeah. No, I mean, in the 30s, I think people were more like, cool. Yeah. Shoots see? criminals. That's ah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hate criminals. But if you think about, we read uh, Death in the Family, and that's yes. like early 90s. That's not too much before this. Uh, 80s, or late I 80s, yeah. I guess. Well, my whole point doesn't work then, so. No, it was just that, a different that, has, the, that has millionaire Batman, not billionaire Batman. Yes. This kind of seems like billionaire Batman, the level of wealth he has. Yes. But still, that story has a moment where they're in Africa, and he's like... Bruce Wayne can't do anything for the hunger and famine these people feel. Yeah. So I'm just going to go back to chasing the Joker. You're right. Like, it does. It yeah. just kind of sweeps that that under the rug of like, that's and not Alex what I do. Ross read that and was like, fuck that. Yeah. Do I have an idea? I support infrastructure, jobs, revitalizing communities. Mm. My cons, I wrote N slash A. Totally. Ben, do you have any cons? Just that when I said that, that knowing what it looks like and that, that one at the end, but every... Every page where there's like a sea of people, I just imagine like that person in his study. Like I just see it and it's not bad, but I can't unsee it now. Those are just all people he had came over and then he painted their faces and Man, the way that yeah, I see what you saying, like <laughs> yeah. get a peek behind the curtain and then it like taints your view forever. Sausages must, made from well, animal must parts. Be a curse, well, man. Like I saw a trailer and now I can't watch the movie. In the Batman trailer played during Dune, I closed my eyes. I don't want to see that. I don't Oh want, my that god, really, you did? Yeah, I don't want to see it. I heard it and that was more than enough. I don't I don't want to <laughs> like I'm gonna go to the bathroom right now. I just uh, squeeze my eyes and tell the person I saw it with said, okay, tell it's you all right. farted. If, <laughs> if I can, and maybe this will help, artists sometimes can't help but be themselves all the time when they're drawing. So especially in like manga, everybody's got the same eyeballs or the same chins or something. And it actually takes kind of something special from people to like break away from these like well-worn paths that, the, you know, this like muscle memory that they've created. Mm-hmm. I think that one thing you have like, other than the style, you have like zero faces that look like each other in this. Actually, yeah. One thing I forgot to mention in Harleen was that Sejik's faces, his female faces, are all the same. I remember you said Schnazzy was your. Oh no, no, yeah. There was a there was a certain <laughs> like driven. there was a turned head profile shot that yeah, uh, yeah. looked a little out of character, but no. Like he does this other series, I think it's called Sunstone. And when he posts pictures all the time of these characters, I'm like, that's Harleen, that's Harleen, that's mm-hmm. Harleen, that's Harleen. And there are people who, whether it's Frank Miller or Sean Murphy, some of these people we talk about a lot, Jim Lee, you know, they have an identifiable style and a, a kind of a basic starting point. Young woman looks like this, old man looks like this, older woman looks like this. Yeah, they have a starting point, but. 
yeah, on that book that I loved so much. I was like, oh, but these literally look like the same person in a different outfit or so with a different haircut. There's a huge benefit to using photo reference to me because that, you get the would, that individual. would keep you from... It's much easier than painting yeah, from the it would, imagination. It would keep you from doing Borderline that. cheating. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, who fucking cares how he arrived at this product because it's, the, it's like the greatest thing to fucking exist. It just feels less magical. You look at that and you think, man. God, there's no, there's no life. There's no spark Jeez, to it. Where's yeah. The, so flat. I want some authentic quality. None of this <laughs> fake. Might as well have just made a collage of pictures and then put them on the page. I don't know if you understand how difficult collage art is then. Oh, my. God. <laughs> uh, that, that guy has a picture of himself. <laughs> that's awesome. I um, would never do that. That's hilarious. Uh, that's why you'll never be a big player. you got to. Love thyself. No, I mean, I have like 20 posters of my tourists oh. in the fucking room. <laughs> uh, yeah, who, what, <laughs> kind take of, it back. what kind of sociopath? Would a narcissist. Super pro. Maybe this is in the back of the book too, but it's like the last page in the digital one that I read that talks about how all of the original art for this series, I'm guessing not just the Batman one, I don't think, yeah. but probably for the whole series, was sold to benefit like the first not-for-profit charter school in New York City. It oh, was like yeah. in Harlem. I vaguely remember that. And I just thought it was cool that, you know, here we're reading a, a story about uh, like... Altruism. Yeah, like... In, using your powers to make a difference in Yeah, real in way. real life. In uh, I mean, in Batman's real reality. You know, Don't we, laugh at that. He's yeah, real. Yeah. No. Uh, <laughs> How yeah. do you know this isn't the fake thing? Yeah. And the thing we're reading is not the real what thing. What if I'm like in it? I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm bald. I'm still bald, but I, I'm in a goo pod uh, <laughs> with tubes and there's robots... Harnessing my energy. In the goo pod, you have hair. This is just how you choose to see. Oh, yourself. it's the it's opposite. The okay. Yeah. What just popped in my head was, yeah, and I heard he uh, he auctioned off these paintings to fund new luxury high rises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was to, Randall Winters to, all to along. To bulldozers. <laughs> but I just thought that was super dope. Like, here you are doing something with <laughs> your Alex Ross superpowers that actually yeah. Yeah. affects real people's lives. Uh, additionally, he's like no schmo and I bet Ross pages even in the past go for top dollar oh, so yeah. that's a legit donation you didn't crap two pages out in a day mm-hmm. like this is that's incredible it's fine art and while like obviously like the, the creme de la creme of fine art is you know millions of dollars but this is fine art geared towards nerds in the comic world and yeah. some of those nerds are some of the wealthiest people in the world and will will compete to own these things at extremely high levels. For sure. Totally. Yeah, I've seen many things recently. You know, Ross's work doesn't seem to be, I mean, it it can't be out all the time because it probably takes so long, but I've seen a lot of stuff with uh, really popular artists lately like Murphy or James Heron or Daniel Warren Johnson where the issues are being like, purchased entirely by a single collector like Mm -hmm. they never even go to auction somebody was like all 24 pages give me that's just a lot that's so cool it's i mean it's your time and it's you could have sold those privately yeah and then gotten that money yourself and like doubled down on your monies but to invest it in a community is very cool to me 
He kept all the money from the other. Alex stuff. Ross, you were awesome. <laughs> what I mean, you got he got paid for doing the work. Yeah, actually, he uh, donated all that for the school, and then he bought the property, bulldozed it, <laughs> and uh, put uh, in the yeah, high rise. Yeah, yeah, he got insurance money on the back end. Uh, <laughs> it was a write off. Yeah, it says. So he, it l- looks he, really nice, but then when you read into it, you yeah, know, it's, yeah, something it's diabolical, about, uh, really. Yeah, donated. It's like his to art. The, when you see it, it's stunning, and then you realize he cheated every God step of the damn way. It. <laughs> All right, trifecta, detective. I wrote that he blackmails Penguin for information. He continues to meet with Randall Winters when he could have just blown him off, and he tries to figure out how to outplay him, you know, beat him at his own game. He was sitting at a computer, and I don't think the internet was, like, as prevalent, so either he was playing solitaire or doing detective stuff. It was actually AOL Instant Messenger. Can you zoom? Is, that, is it AOL? Seven different IM windows open like, oh almost. <laughs> oh, it's a map. Just like a map. Oh, yeah, here. yeah. Yep, that's Gotham City, all right. Huh. Hmm. Got sure, tired of I love that giant thing. <laughs> Pictures. <laughs> hey, Alfred, can you bring up my gemstone poster over here on the screen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure, I need opals. Callbacks. You're right. That computer is very classic looking. It's those, great. All those buttons make like very clunking sounds. Yeah, it's like Star Trek. Yeah. A screen that has like a visor so your face fits in it and you don't yep. get any <laughs> a little printer that prints out paper with dots on it <laughs> makes like whoop, whoop, he's got the sounds. gooseneck microphone that oh he yeah, talk yeah. Computer. that's so cool ninja yeah it's kind of his whole thing not in a like a we're not seeing a bunch of moves like martial arts attacks but he's like nothing but stealth and Maximum smoke efficiency. bombs slash cocaine yeah. bags and <laughs> What I was thinking of is like the first Ninja Turtles movie when they swoop in, rescue April in the beginning, and it's over in 10 seconds. Do you maybe hear like the punches, like quiet punches? and like, Ooh, oh, oh. Yeah, 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 but it's all, like, it's all smoke <laughs> and cover of night, you know? The big thing in that scene is like, oh, he left a sigh, right? So there's some fucking trace, but like literally nothing was seen the whole fucking time. And it's over in a flash. And that in line with what I've said about like how much I love the minimalist Keaton where it's just like one punch, bam, bam, done, disabled. It doesn't focus on that. Like it's not the point. It's still part of the story. Didn't forget about it, guys. But it's not the point of this story. At the end of many of these fights, there's like a panel where he starts the fight. And then the next panel, which can't be that much longer after that, at least one of the guys has been tied up already. It's <laughs> like his, his hands are tied behind his back, and he's just now finished punching the last guy. He did that very quickly. He does. You know, this Batman carries spools of rope too. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't mention anything about like honed myself to the ultimate degree. I'm a championship hog tire. <laughs> yeah, I went to the rodeo, the Boy yeah. Scouts, you name it. Question: Do teenage turtles have fingerprints? Well, there's no database for them, I'll assure you that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing uh, to cross-reference there. Sure, sure. The other thing, it's like the good version of, we'll talk about how people will say some stuff, they don't really back it up. You just kind of trust them. Like, well, they said it, uh, so I believe them. Oh, like they don't demonstrate that, yeah, you know, like, Batman's a great detective, they just hmm. tell you he okay, is. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll believe you. Like, and, well, he showed up. Yeah, that's kind of, that's a, a bit how I feel in this but in a good way, though, because it just kind of plays into the sort of like innocence that I feel about it. But he's talking about the terror and like the fear tactics and how it's working. But 
there's no screams and there's because no of agony yeah and, and just because of the vibe i uh, i'm gonna go to work on you guys it's yeah, only yeah. which one of you's gonna give in first after i beat the fuck out of I'm you break <laughs> yeah yeah but it's cool too because i i get it you're portraying some of it and you're telling me and i like believe it and i want to believe it but it doesn't it doesn't even feel as scary as I know that it would be. Yeah. And, and I like it too because it, it, it's like this – anybody could read this. Again, it's a very animated series in that way. It really is. Trauma, I think, is the key category here in the trifecta. It kicks off, of course, with the year one montage and it stays there. We don't retread any of that stuff. It builds on it, but using Marcus as kind of a surrogate keeps things from – recycling old ideas but it's all tied into that first loss every character is looked at in terms of like consequences of their environment and things that have happened you're like across the room from oh. your mic <laughs> every character no, is no, looked no, at no, in terms of <laughs> consequence no but like it, it's not just marcus and batman with the we have the waitress again with randall like looking at randall going oh that's what i would have been like yeah. If nothing bad happened to me, I probably would have turned out just like him. Little trust fund bitch. A monster who eats and consumes and doesn't give anything back. Even the trauma in this is also like the violence in this too. Yeah. Like none of it, I, I get it. It's there. It's very effective. I believe all of it, but this is like personal preference batman could look different and this could be illustrated by somebody else but this is my favorite like batman character where he uses i mean it's not super healthy that he beats people <laughs> um, but this is like the highest functioning yeah batman to me he's got it together he's not on edge yeah he's got it together you're a crazy as good person as, but you're doing it pretty, pretty well pretty good though yeah, yeah. um so even it's like the the trauma informs him if there's a scale the trauma informs his character in more of a positive in direction morality. to me yeah, yeah than it not, does the opposite it's not a batman who's like oh i fucking wish i could kill him but i you know <laughs> yeah, I still do it. yeah that's the difference because i just don't that's the difference it's like Nah, man this is a bigger issue than that fucking guy that i'm trying to chase right now mm mm-hmm. I really like it. Rating? I'm going to give this one a five. I'll also, I'll also give it a five. I will also give the NPR five. <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Sweaty balls. Yes. Yeah, man. No question. This was uh, really a joy the, uh, to, to read again. I was really happy when I found this. Mm. I couldn't ask for more. Not hampered by its length at all. It's okay that it's short. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Right to the point. There's no fat to trim, really. Mm-mm. The other Justice League stories that he's worked on are worth reading too, especially in the context of this is his Batman. Yeah, they're King all come in this too. Mm-hmm. Justice, or no, I don't mean that, but I mean like the other stuff he's worked on for DC, like Kingdom Come, and then there's also. Um, I just mean this JLA stuff mixed into this in that book. Yeah, yeah. But not, there's that story where it's like it must take place in another universe because the story starts with Superman fleeing from Earth mm. because it's exploded. And then the whole thing is like going back a couple weeks or something and leading up to that. And it's the Legion of Doom winning, basically, Mm. but just through his same lens. I guess Paul Dini wasn't involved, so that's different. But yeah, I also got a couple of trades. I just recently discovered that Dini was 
the main writer on Detective for a pretty good chunk in the mid-2000s, so I picked those up a while back. I haven't got to read them yet, but there was one that was uh, featured in like a Harley collection that I had, and I just opened it and was like, man, I remember there were a couple really good stories in here. Like, I wonder what runs those are from. And I was like, oh, this is the good one. Oh, that's Paul Dini. This is Detective. Holy shit. And so did enough digging, found eBay in Canada, and uh, scored them, and uh, they look really good. Like, he, he seems to kind of cover most of the rogues mm-hmm. as he jumps around through each issue, but I'm really excited to read those, especially on the heels of revisiting this, you know? Canada, the Canadian version of eBay is like a bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of uh, year two. Thank Did, you for listening. Never expected we get through 51 of these. I know it's one person in 42 different countries. The yeah, same person. You travel I know you. Yeah. No, it's a VPN trick. That's oh, what yeah, it is. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. This is Robin. Thanks for checking out the Bat Fanatic podcast with Sammy Warmhands. All right, that is our show, and that is our season. Again, thank you guys so much from all of us. We really do appreciate it. If you want some more content in the meantime, I just did a guest appearance on the Everything Batman podcast. He had me back on a second time, and we all talked about our recent Comic-Con experience. So go to YouTube and look up the Bat Force channel, and it's the Everything Batman podcast. So check that out. And if you want to support this show, again, you can interact with us at BatFanAddict on Instagram. Click the link in our bio, and that'll take you to our Patreon. For anybody else, it's patreon.com slash batfanaddict. You can also, for free, just share this to your stories, let people know about us, or give us the coveted five-star on iTunes. We'll see you next year.